Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we have another feedback episode. This time it's for the finale. Look for the light. Uh, Aaron, did you find any light in that feedback? Uh, oh, so much. It, but the feedback was not light. Uh, this is the first week <laughs> that broke me. I had just over 400 messages to make my way through, and I didn't quite get to the top of the unread pile. Uh, there was something like 30 left to go. Uh, although I was like, I will say that anytime, like the last hour of compiling feedback is a lot of like scanning and next, scanning and next, because I mean, 400 messages. A lot, a lot, of, lot, of, lot of duplicate thoughts, a lot of duplicate sentiments, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but. Fortunately, we have a whole wrap-up podcast next week where we can get any stragglers, uh, especially if you think that the, a viewpoint wasn't represented in this podcast. I want to hear from you, T-L-O-U, T-L-O-U at baldmove.com uh, next Tuesday, I think. I'm not sure when it'll be out. Tuesday or Wednesday, probably, the wrap-up podcast, um, where we will once and for all put to bed uh, the issue of Joel and Ellie until season two. Now... We are not at the bald move end of our The Last of Us journey. Uh, As I promised in the last uh, podcast, I put up a poll on Twitter. The people have spoken by a very slim majority. It's like 30% versus 29%. (laughs) People want me to play The Last of Us on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. in The Last of Us slot. Makes sense. So starting this weekend sunday at 9 p.m i am going to be playing on twitch.tv slash bald move maybe simul streamed to youtube.com slash bald move maybe if i can figure it out um but for sure once i complete the playthrough we will move this over to the youtube page on bald move or the bald move page on youtube i should say Uh, but that should be a lot of fun i would expect that i'm my plan is I'm going to play an episode the the uh like this first week I'm going to play the contents of episode 1, you know, uh and stop when we get to that point and I'm going to try to as much as possible keep that cadence going throughout the the game. I I don't know if there's some weeks that it might not work. I'm thinking episode uh, like, 3 probably doesn't well, work. Well, there's a whole build much. town that's pretty ex- I'm thinking of like Ellie's There is ellie's uh, trip to the mall because you play the dlc i don't know i could but that's that's too know. much yeah yeah i might uh we, we might have an eight week playthrough i'm not sure i'm not I'm, I'm not sure um but yeah uh i think it should be a lot of fun jim's going to be hanging out with me mm-hmm. and uh, we're just going to be playing we're you're gonna you can see my patented 10 palm monkey looting technique just just flawless flawless tin palm monkey techniques um, very exciting a lot of very mediocre gameplay and the only thing i can promise the only thing i can promise is when we get to the hospital we will have 200 rounds of flamethrower ammunition in mm-hmm. the old backpack and we will solve this trolley problem <laughs> in a warm very warm uh bright Mm-hmm. compassionate manner show them the light 
Aaron, show right. the light. They won't have time to be afraid <laughs> before <laughs> the 2000 degree napalm hits them. It's uh, it's really it's really a compassionate thing to do. Uh, so yeah, check that out on twitch.tv slash bald move. Of course, bald uh, twitch twitter dot com slash bald move is the best place to keep up with that. I'd highly recommend you follow because I usually tweet 10 or 15 minutes before we start. Give you a little reminder. Oh, you can also subscribe to us on Twitch. Um, we don't do a lot of Twitch stuff other than our like at least right now and our marathons and whatnot. But if you want to get a reminder right before I go live, that's another great way to do it. Uh, get Go to our page at twitch.tv slash bald move. Wow, we're going to be playing video games. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I like and video I games. It, and uh, I will say the response to this is highly indicative of whether I'll do this for The Last of Us 2. So mm-hmm. if you want more of this type of stuff, show up for it. Twitch.tv slash bald move this Sunday at 9 p.m. Episode one, Sarah's gonna die. We're gonna we're gonna do some low level crime busting in the quarantine zone, and uh, if all goes well, we'll meet Ellie before the end of the night. Uh, and again, budget two to three hours, I think, for each one of these playthroughs, because that's about I think what it's gonna take. Okay, uh, here is the responses. Um, I tried to do a lot of I tried to do a lot of different takes, a lot of different uh, viewpoints. Uh, I also have at the end of the non-spoiler section, kind of like some negative takes or some underwhelming takes, some mixed reviews that we can kind of talk through. And then we have a healthy super spoiler section. There will no longer be a spoiler. We've sure. caught up to the game and the DLC, so The Last of Us One is completely unspoilable for you um so yeah and feel free um to go back through and listen to uh if you want to see some other kind of like you know uh what, what do we talk about like differences between show if, if people want to go back and catch up on the stuff they missed now that they're through the season oh uh, for the spoiler section um yeah a lot of differences between yeah. show and game a lot of easter eggs a lot of speculation on what a change means versus this, that, and the other. Um, so yeah, it might be interesting for folks, but but definitely miss yeah. out this one unless you've played The Last of Us 2. So let's get started. Byron is up first. He shared with me an article he read on The True Hollywood Reporter. I, why do I always say The True? It's, it's just, just The Hollywood Reporter. Reporter. Mm-hmm. There's a wicked and false Hollywood Reporter that you got to watch out for. This is from The True One. So Sunday's finale of The Last of Us averaged 8.2 million viewers across all platforms from H, uh, for HBO, up slightly from the previous week's 8.1 million and an opening not high for the nine-episode season. According to HBO, The Last of Us' first six episodes are averaging 30.4 million viewers since the January 15th premiere, the debut episode closing in on 40 million viewers. This 30.4 million figure, should it hold as more returns come in on the final three episodes, would mean that The Last of Us is bigger than The House of Dragon, which averaged 29 million cross-platform viewers over the course of its run in the late summer and fall of 2022. I don't understand these statistics. Uh, <laughs> House of the Dragon <laughs> no started with, with with 10 million viewers. It maintained that 10 million viewers throughout all, and now being hit with this... 30 million viewers. So more people are watching the last of us, but haven't finished watching every episode. Is that where the, is is that how I square this? It it sounds like it. If 40 million hit the, the premiere by now, but there's 30 million on the finale. Yeah. It sounds like people just haven't caught up yet. Uh, It's also a lot of like, 
like like viewing on maybe HBO and HBO Max at opening night versus across all places you can view it like yeah i mean no. th- th- there's so many ways to slice this pie I to know. say haha we're doing excellent or haters can be like haha you're actually doing worse than you think uh right that none of it means anything unless you're comparing apples to apples and i don't know that we are here i really well, let me say. ask you this did you think in your wildest dreams that the last of us would have an audience number rivaling let's say it's not even bigger rivaling that of uh the house of the dragon did you think that that no, was the but ceiling not, of the show? Not not because The Last of Us doesn't deserve it or didn't have a following for it, but because House of the Dragon, I thought, was going to be massive. Um, just yeah. like Game of Thrones was massive, right? Like you right. you kind of get enough distance and people forget how much they hated the end of Game of Thrones uh, and they come back yeah. for this. And I think it's not surprising necessarily that the last of us did so well because I mean, it sold millions of copies of that game. Oh yeah. It had a pretty dedicated fan base too. Yeah. Right. And, and millions more with the, the two remakes they did. Um, so we're talking about millions of people already primed and probably certainly going to tune in to watch the and show. Even if you're not a gamer, if you have a gamer in your life, uh, you know, you, it, mm-hmm. it's very easy to heard of the last of us. Cause it's consensus. One of the totally. top five video games of all time. It's like, you might not have seen the Godfather or, um, uh, Casablanca, but like you fucking heard of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. same here. Yeah. Uh, this, so yeah, but then you look at the, the house of the dragon and the audience that it had primed and it was, it was massive, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, to say that it's people. doing as good or better is kind of shocking. I'm not sure if it was a hundred million people pirating, including piracy, watching, but like there was a mm-hmm. figure thrown around that a hundred million people were watching Game of Thrones uh, when it was at its height in season seven and eight, and that's incredible. It might have been like fifty million watching legally, and another fifty million, but like it's an insane number, and the fact that. Yeah, I, I thought maybe if you'd asked me, it's like, oh, The Last of Us is getting 10 million viewers. I'm like, oh, it must be the start of Last of Us season two. Uh, mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, heard over the last two years that The Last of Us was incredible, actually. But like this much like early adapting, um, I'm I'm yeah. pleased. I'm pleased, you know, especially I mean, maybe this helped it, too, that it was right after like it was kind of like first off the blocks after the winter, after the Christmas kind of hangover is over. Sure, sure. Um, but what you know, regardless, I'm ridiculously pleased with uh, how the show's been embraced by people. I'm very pleased with how we have uh, been able to get an audience covering it. Um, yeah, pretty pretty good all around. Let's move on to John G says. I think J- what Jim seems to be missing with the I. Okay, so this is your take on the J- Jakarta mycologist. Oh, okay. I think what Jim seems to be missing with the idea of the mycologist in episode two suggests bombs is the only hope is the urgency. It's funny because you and I are kind of don't see eye to eye on this. So I was looking (laughs) and I I can't put my finger on exactly why we disagree. So I was reading a lot of these with like someone's going to have the argument, you know, that's going to be sure I'm I'm arguing against the Internet at large. Sure. It's an impossible task. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm being I'm being uh, it's it's like I'm being raccoonied. Uh, There is a person in my podcasting (laughs) hat directing me with the perfect argument. Here it is. Mm hmm. It's the sense of urgency. It's the same thing as the other mycologist said in the opening scene from episode one. Because mycologists understand that if cordyceps can live in a human host, that we'd have very little time before we as a species would be done. 
Bombs are, of course, a last resort because 24 hours into this musation, we are already at last resorts, and those probably won't work, and in fact did not. There are nowhere near enough time to study how to stop the infection because our body temperature has made an impossible scenario with the fungus, so no one was studying it, and it would take years and years to find one if we ever did. Mycologists knew that trying to approach a cure would involve nothing like anything we've ever done for vaccines, uh, with vaccines for viruses. Fungus are a completely different kingdom of taxonomy from both animals and viruses. Science is not magic. Some things actually are impossible to, to achieve, no matter how much time you're given, the smartest scientist in the world. At the point she's suggesting bombs, you're only thinking about containment, and even that didn't work. Uh, now, I want to talk about that first, um, before he gets to contrasting to the Firefly situation. Um, because you were kind of like wrapping those up in kind of a equivalency ball. What did you make of this? The It's the urgency. Yeah, there's certainly an urgency. Um, the last person on the planet I want to throw up their hands and say it's pointless, I'm going home to die with my family, is the world's foremost mycologist in that situation. I want them to start working on the problem right now. You know? Like... Sure, Tom, the plumber, can throw up his hands and go, well, I guess we're fucked. I'm going to go home and spend my last days with my family. But mycologists need to be working on this, whether you're going to bomb people or not. And she's just like, nope, fuck it. I'm done. Who's going to solve this problem? I, well, so here's the thing. Here, here's a good example. Let's say, because like, I, I feel like this is young Jim sitting cross-legged in front of his TV watching The Next Generation, and nobody in that show would ever have this reaction, right? Of course. But, like, yeah. what if Captain Picard summons one of their paleobiologists to the bridge and it's like, we've got this incident, we just beamed up something from Triskelon 3, and there's some green goo, and it's spreading like wildfire in the main shuttle bay, and she, the, this this uh, exobi this paleobiologist takes a look at the view screen and with horror says, "You have to vent this to space right now." And Picard says, "Doctor, there's thirty crewmen in there." And she's like, I, "You don't understand. You have to fucking vent this shit right the fuck now." Mm -hmm. Is she? Is she giving up? No, but she's also not saying, uh, "I'm just gonna go to my cabin and die." You know, it's like she's telling you what to do. If the captain says no, well, you got to find another solution, right? Like, and the captain here is not saying no. He's going to bomb people, it seems. Well, I mean, I don't, did they, like, did they try that? Or is that something oh, yeah. they tried in all the other cities because Jakarta didn't? I don't know, because I'm also like, I get, you're right. You're right. She's not saying I'm just going to go home and die. Um, the recommendation is like, because I, I presumably... If they followed her advice and they bombed the shit out of Jakarta and they contained it, then she would probably be the foremost person studying the problem. Presumably, sure, like sure. Uh, the paleobiologist is like, I'm going to go to my uh, quarters and in 30 minutes blow my brains out of the phaser. If you happen to blow uh, breach contain, <laughs> if you happen to blow uh -huh. this, the shuttle bay and the green sh shit stops moving, then call me. Like, I feel like that's the implied. It's there's something kind of like. <laughs> I, I feel like you are thinking this scientist is like being willful or like lazy or something rather than being real. Is yeah, that fair? It's, it's the attitude. It, it's, it's the attitude of the scientist. Like I'm not mm. going to go get into the lab and try and save humanity. I'm just going to go home and die. I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. It's defeatist. Um, here, here's the real thing though like none of this is what I'm actually getting to the heart of right I think like 
you said something about how it relates to the fireflies and that's what i'm actually okay talking about in this show is like how they're portraying the science to me i'm taking them at their word at every moment like you, you the show wants me to take them at their word at every moment right i think we should whether, take experts at their word at every moment in general yeah especially in a tv show that has given you no idea here that like scientists might be wrong yeah. Right. I'll I'll accept that with the mycologist because she's working in a she's she's the foremost expert in her nation on, on fungal stuff. And there's no reason for me to think that she is a fraud or basing her research on bullshit and limited case studies and things like that. Um. All right. Should we pivot to John's other point? Um, yeah. yeah. Says so now the science of studying Ellie to fully understand her immunity. They had plenty of time for. And that's totally different because they have an immunity function working already. I think what he means by this is that if one of those flower workers was immune, like like 16 of them got exposed, 15 of them turned into violent fungal beast, and one of them strangely immune to it, I wonder if the scientists would have said the same thing because that would be something to go on. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's saying that they have an immunity function like we see it in the wild. So it is possible. Now we just have to study it. All they have to do is study it enough to know how to successfully extract it and mass produce it. If it only works in utero, they can be in inoculations in the next generation. The six hour thing, completely absurd, but the concept is sound. In that case, there really is a hope they can find a cure. But in the previous scene, Jim's belief that she didn't give him enough time is just wrong. She's choosing to save the world and to and by sacrificing a city. If she had made the calculation, the world is already gone. This being only a few minutes after just learning that fungus can exist in human temperatures and was loose in the world. And if she could rapidly deal with the emotional hurricane of all that had just changed instantly for her, her family and humanity, maybe the alternative to bombing would be for them to militarily secure the lab she is in, sacrifice the world to begin the task of looking for some way to build a medical solution. But it's a lot to deal with and so quickly. Bombs. Yeah, my, my point has never been like, oh, she should come up with a solution right now. That That's mm-hmm. absurd, right? Like, of course, it takes time to research things. It's I, I, that's never what I've said. What I've said is she completely gives up and goes home to die instead of going straight to the lab to start working on something. Huh? I, I think I think Wh- there's a, a misunderstanding of what I've been saying with regard to this scientist. I, well, okay, I maybe it's possible, but like, let me try it one more time. If um, a scientist discovers a mile-wide asteroid and is going to hit the Earth, guaranteed in twenty-four hours, then they should contact Bruce Willis and get him up there to start drilling because there could be a solution. This, this is the thing. Like, I just can't just I, I, say, I, 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 "I'm done. I'm done. I I am the only hope for humanity because I am the only person with the knowledge to actually do anything if anything can be done, and I'm fucking going home to die." It. It certainly says something about the severity of the situation, but it also says that person is unwilling to try, and I don't like that. But what I just is, don't like, like it. It's why I don't like I don't mm. like her attitude. It's not that okay. I think she could find a solution in five minutes or whatever it takes before they bomb. I think she needs to try to start working on something that might save humanity eventually, hmm. instead of just giving up and dying. 
yeah, I guess I I'm I guess I'm open to things like again, my I cuz I don't think there's all the Bruce Willis in the world. Uh, all the animal crackers and Michael Clark Duncan coming back from the grave is going to save humanity from a mile-wide asteroid that's 24 hours away. You can't even get a sure. fucking rocket off. Yeah, so it's like you you might try things to make people feel better until like, yo, shit, yeah, launch some nukes, do whatever. Um, but like I just don't think there's anything there's any way you're going to save the earth and I don't think it's a personal but, failing for a scientist to say that. Well, but we're not talking about about a mass extinction like that. We're not talking about, well, there's some impossibly large thing coming at us and it's going to destroy us no matter what we do. We're talking about something that we can actively work against. You know, you can put up walls. You can keep it out. You can't put up walls to keep out a fucking asteroid, right? It's going to hit the planet. It's going to destroy everything. It's going to kill everything well, alive. I mean, you're saying we can put up walls, we can do this, we can do that. But, like, the foremost mycologist in the world is saying we can't. And the fact but, but that... Then, 90- but then we see it, we see them do it. Because it happens. Like, the QZs are evidence of that. Like, this isn't going to totally kill humanity off in one stroke. It's going to be a progressive thing. And you can push back against that. You have time, just not time to save everyone. All right. Now's the time to endure and survive. We'll be back with more Savage Starlight. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just so we're clear about back there, it was either us or the ad. Welcome back to more Savage Starlight. Let's move on to Trevor. Uh, Trevor mentioned that uh, when Pedro was talking about the bombs, okay, not hitting the one thing that was supposed to be demolished. You know, we were trying to speculate on what he meant by that. Did he mean they're targeting a hospital because they're trying to wipe out the infected and they missed? Yeah, he yeah. says, I took it to mean the building they're actually in was set for demolition before the outbreak, but ironically, it's still standing. I think that's what they're getting at with all the plans and the fact that this thing has been worked on, like the Joel sees that this thing was scheduled for demolition and then the huh, whole city gets okay. bombed and it's the only thing standing. Like he's using his super contractor skills, right? like right. the mycologist before him to make a pronouncement uh-huh. on doom structure to turn out that was wrong. <laughs> Uh, no, I think I think that's a hundred percent right. Though I I just fully subscribe to the parking garage going to be controlled demo theory now. Uh, Crystal says it's pretty optimistic of Mar- Marlene to assume that even if they can create a cure, that people will actually want it. Coming out of a global pandemic with rampant conspiracy theories about a vaccine that was produced using old technology in a new way, I can't imagine a lot of people lining up to have the cordyceps. Uh, to have cordyceps that were produced using a whole new science injected into their arms, even if it's to create a <laughs> cure, do you think people actually want it? Uh, a, certainly a large portion. I mean, I lined up to get some some vaccines. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a large portion of people who would. And yeah, the people I... who wouldn't, well, their fate is not going to be as bright as the people who do get it. I kind of feel like we are in danger of overlearning some lessons from COVID. Like, one of the reasons that you had this um, ec- this this hesitancy and so much anti-science, well, there's a lot of reasons. But I think one of the big reasons is people could. They had the luxury with COVID because... For the vast majority of people who are otherwise young, and when I mean young, I'm talking under 65 and healthy, they're going to have COVID and they're going to be just fine. I know there's long COVID. I know there's a whole bunch like, but I'm telling you that for 99% of the people in those categories, they were going to be just fine. COVID Mm -hmm. was this really wild case of something that was one of the most virulent things we'd ever seen, like in the terms of its R not value, but like... Like if COVID had the symptoms of uh, 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 Ebola, the, there the, would be no vaccine hesitancy. People or, would be or the mortality rate. Like I, I mean, the mortality rate on COVID was like what two percent or something. It wasn't even. It, oh, I don't. I don't even know if it's that high. Maybe uh, it was like point oh point two percent or something. But it yeah. was extremely low compared to the one hundred percent that we see in The Last of Us. Right. right? Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you had uh, okay, Ebola, nine, 99.999 of repeating because of Ellie. where where but, you had something like Ebola, where 90 percent of people are going to die, and they're going to die shitting blood, sweating yeah. blood, puking blood. Like people, their insides are going to liquefy. Yeah, it would have been an entirely different situation, had an entirely different impact on society. It's like we kind of got like weirdly unlucky that COVID had like this massive amounts of spread and very low mortality, and that ended up making people take it. Uh, more casually than they should have because honestly this killed mm-hmm. millions of people killed over a million people in America alone um, so it was something people should have uh, taken more serious and it sh- but but it wasn't dangerous enough that that the average person that's like cavalier about it is going to experience a, a bad outcome in fact they'll probably experience an outcome that makes them even more oh there's no fucking big deal right uh, of course so, yeah you see somebody yeah. who survives it and you're like, well, I can survive it, too. I don't need a vaccine. Right, right. Uh, and for every, you know, one story where people, you know, the uh, gloating over the fact that someone was extremely anti-COVID or uh, a COVID science denier or whatever, and then they die or their their family died and suddenly they get it. There's like 50 people who had this experience where it's like, yeah, COVID's just not a big deal. And mm-hmm. who cares? So I, I don't know. I think it's 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 tough to... <laughs> like take the vaccine hesitancy we have with COVID and say 20 years into a pandemic that killed 99% of humanity and still turns people into horrifying mushroom people. Yeah. With, that, with one bite. Uh-huh. That, that you wouldn't be like, fuck yeah, I'll take that vaccine. But you know, humanity's disappointed me before it's, it's a possibility. <laughs> uh, Gretel B says, so I've been hearing about this big moment and choice that Joel makes in the finale. It will reshape everything we think about Joel and leave us questioning which side we're on. Except that didn't really happen. You could say the Fireflies were unethical and the scenario had shades of gray. But ultimately, I think it fell flat primarily because of Daddy Pedro Pascal. This last month has been the perfect Pedro Pascal storm of the Oscars, Saturday Night Live, The Mandalorians, Hot Ones, The Last of Us. He's just exploded into pop culture. If Mason and Druckmann wanted people to turn on Joel, they need to do a hell of a lot more than kill some Fireflies. Pedro's become America's daddy, and the consensus I've seen has been overwhelmingly pro-Joel. Am I far off on this, or has Pedro's likability dampened some of the horrors and dramatic weight they were going for in the finale? 
Uh, before you answer, I have an unrelated story. My wife got herself a new smartwatch two weeks ago, and thus I got her old smartwatch. And I've never seen the point of smartwatches, but I'm like, fuck it. I'll start wearing it. Just see. Friday night at two o'clock in the morning, I'd just gone to sleep and my wrist buzz and I, I look at it and it pulls up the notifications. And all I see is a subject line that says, I named my dildo after Pedro Pascal. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's going to be that kind of week of feedback. <laughs> hmm. uh, Pedro is America's dad. I've not quite seen any, maybe the Keanu mania that we went through like five years sure, ago. Sure. But like, even then, like Keanu wasn't trying to make that happen. Like Pedro was everywhere and he's super fucking likable in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. He's got a very good agent. Uh, that's, that's what it comes down to. His agent, well, his agent's got a hell of a product everywhere. If we're being honest. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's, it's a symbiosis there. Yeah, no, he's, he's blown up, man. Uh, yeah. and he's done it with a helmet on too, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's working with, uh, you know, they say in Hollywood you should work with animal and ch- or children that uh, could upstage you. And <laughs> Baby Yoda's arguably a little bit of both. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. He's got the cute puppy dog eyes. He's obviously a child, and Pedro is fighting with his hands behind his back and a helmet the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I I I don't know. I don't know what happens to America if Pedro has a fall from grace. Oh no. Like it would be very oh, I considered. I know there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, I, there, I'm, there's there's nothing to suggest that he is anything but like an extremely likable dude. But holy shit, we're putting a lot of pressure on him. I I, I think I'd tell the Hollywood port, reporter to go bomb Hollywood and I'd go home to die because <laughs> that's the only solution here. I think. See what we've lost containment of the Pedro. Uh huh. So he's unless... spreading too fast. Right, right, right. Unless all of humanity is going to die off within a generation because we're all bummed that we can't reproduce with him. He's just one man that the rest of us just stop trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got to contain it. We got to eliminate it. We got to eradicate it. It's the only way. It's the only way to live. Uh, But then do you want to live in a world of that, Pedro? Jim's thinking about it. I can probably make it. I can probably make it. Sus, he's he's gainsaying the world's Pedro, foremost mycologist, and he's living Pedroless. He's a he's a fucking apostate. I I would still have Nick Offerman in this situation, right? Didn't he? He already died, though. Nick Offerman is alive. He's still <laughs> just, I know. I'm just, I'm just really trying to confuse trunks. the trying to confuse the point. Gotcha. All right, Austin says something I have thought of and haven't heard people talk about is even if the vaccine worked and the dysfunctional fireflies could find a way to distribute it, they're most likely going to use it in a morally and ethically incorrect way. Hmm. Hmm. Would they vaccinate Fedra soldiers? Would they vaccinate people who directly oppose the fireflies in particular cities? Could they force people into labor or doing things they disagree with to earn their vaccine? Marlene could also be using it as a way to gain the fireflies power and become a totalitarian government raises a lot of concerns because even if they could get a vaccine produced, they would almost certainly fail to sustain the country logistically after the fact. This is an interesting political Mm. question. Do we like the Fireflies having the exclusive access to a world-saving vaccine? I don't know. Um, We might be talking about this a little bit on The Mandalorian this week, but 
I don't mm. know that the Fireflies are necessarily any better than Fedra. Um, yeah. Certainly their tactics are just as brutal. Uh, but can you blame them? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a murky question, for sure. Well, this goes back to Luthen's speech in Andor, you know, yeah. about sometimes when you're in a violent revolution, you're using the enemy's tactics against them. Does that mean you're as bad as the enemy? I guess it right. depends on whether you lose yourself along the way, and if you win, how you govern post, uh, post-revolution. post mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, these are definitely things I think you'd worry about, because yeah, I could see a lot of them, like, fucking Fedra, like, nah, we're going to do background checks, anyone that's worked for Fedra... Even if you were peeling potatoes in the soup kitchen, you're fucking not getting a vaccine because you're a collaborator. Sure. And yeah, those uh, those we the people folks out in Kansas City, uh, you know, they did they they yeah they overthrew Feder, but they didn't do it the Firefly way. They didn't accept fe- uh, fire the Fireflies' uh, offers of assistance and help. So fuck that city too. Like yeah, I, there there are real questions around that. Like, do you give a guy like David the vaccine? Sure. Sure, because David's yeah. a real piece of shit, and I don't think he's. Deserves I don't think it. you could rehabilitate him very easily. It would take a lot of work. Do they Doesn't have the resources like for that? Do they have like they're rebuilding in so many other ways? It's a lot of questions. It seems like the ethical thing to do would be to broadcast this knowledge on yeah. as terrestrial radio on as strong a transmitter as you can get, and then let every you know essentially Fedric can try to develop it. Uh, the We the People group can try to develop it. Fucking David's people can try to do a bathtub <laughs> fungus vaccine if they want. But like, uh-huh. yeah, like with the world being as shattered as it is, the idea that any outfit, no matter how large and well equipped, is going to be able to do some kind of worldwide push for vaccination seems sketchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was one of the frustrating things about COVID, going back to that, is like we had a vaccine for months and months and months for the vast majority of us could uh, could even take it. I must have been really frustrating to have a loved one die or get seriously sick or you get long COVID yourself when you were in that gap of like vaccine available, but just not enough jabs yeah. to go around, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bart from Quebec says, I think I heard the Fireflies mention they had a lack of power. This is something in the background chatter of the hospital. Maybe they had just enough time to do the procedure before they ran out of juice. This might explain the rush to cut open Ellie. It appears they're also forced to move to this location in a hurry. The previous location left a lot of equipment and paperwork behind. Windows were left open. Monkeys were on the loose. They left in an organized fashion. They might have secured uh, a site for a possible return someday. The Fireflies might truthfully be affecting interference from raiders, Fedra, cannibals, or infected. Marlene did mention a difficult time they had of getting to the site. The Fireflies might justifiably be nervous about their chances to finally finish their mission. What if the doctor was bit and needed to do the operation before he turned? Boy, I don't feel like these are confounding issues. Like, these things make me more want to be like, slow down, pump the brakes, get this single person who's immune to a secure location so you can study it at your leisure like a doctor trying to cut open someone's brain before they go fungus mad that seems insane yeah yeah i'm with you i yeah you can find another doctor in 20 years of looking you've never found another ellie yeah yeah no it's it's that would be kind of crazy uh i don't know if the fireflies have a secure location is the thing I well, feel like they're does m- very nomadic. Yeah, right. yeah. 
Yeah. Like they were talking about, oh, maybe they're going from here to here for climate reasons. Maybe they're doing here. But yeah, I mean, that's another interesting question is like, is there anyone in the world that can do this type of research? Is there any quarantine zone in the world that has like a MRI? You know, because I got a lot of emails being like, why don't they even try MRI? And like, have you seen an MRI? Do you know how insane an MRI is? Like this Uh thing spin like a thousand. They spin like three tons of metal, a thousand RPMs around a person's head loaded with like liquid fucking helium and rare earth materials. And the the power consumptions are absurd. Like the fact that someone would have a working MRI. I don't I don't. It's yeah. Yeah, who wants to get in the 20-year-old MRI that hasn't been booted up since the world fell? Mm. Stick your head yeah. in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the expertise sure. operated. It's Yeah, it seems it's it's a lot. Like, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, that's one of the big, I guess that's why I'm uh, <laughs> I'm vaccine skeptic in the, fa- the, the world of The Last of Us is that I, I think that they did a I think they did a pretty good job of setting up a moral dilemma that's very crunchy and has a lot of things to consider. But in doing so, there's just so many things you could for a guy like Joel to salve his conscience with because, I, yeah, I just don't. I just don't mm-hmm. believe that it's possible uh, within in this particular setting and scenario for them to develop a cure for Melly. I'm not saying it's yeah, impossible. I, I think Fedra could, but the Fireflies are going to have a tough time. Yeah. I think the Fed, Federer would have a hmm. They could do it if they really want to. Federer would be. I, is it crazy for me to think that Federer has the best chance of distributing a vaccine, but maybe a, a outside group like the Fireflies have a better chance at actually researching it? Hmm. Why do you say that? I'm well, curious. Because like, like the Fed, like the, there's something about Federer's shoot first and ask questions later policy. Like the fact, you know, we talked about this early in the season before when we were still kind of hamstrung about talking about spoilers. But mm-hmm. one of the things about killing that little boy is if every single person with a bite gets killed as soon as possible, you don't know how many Ellie's that you might have gone ahead and thrown into the burn pits. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, the, the solution would have to come to them because you're right. They're not yeah. going to give it any opportunity. But if the fire, maybe if the fireflies showed up and somehow got a meeting with one of the Fedra high ups. Yeah. Under white flag truce conditions and parlay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And said, we have a vaccine. Would, or we, we have someone who's immune. Would you please look at them and create a vaccine? Maybe they do it, but it's a big, maybe. Well, the other thing is I feel like Fedra as an institution would probably prioritize the military stuff over. Like if they had a well-equipped research mm-hmm. lab 20 years ago, I bet they shut that stuff down in favor of probably you know, buying bullets and food you know because yeah like at what point and that's another question at what point do you give up on a cure if you have a large and expensive mm-hmm. research lab and it's been 20 years and there's no progress and like people are still starving and dying for lack of resources at what point they're like you know what fuck it yeah i wonder when they developed the test uh mm. that, that could tell because like that requires some scientific that requires, research. Yeah, it seemed to be pretty sophisticated and a manufacturing base to build a pretty sophisticated blood. You know, this is like uh, Elizabeth Holmes type tech. <laughs> sure. It's some Theranos shit. Yeah. Right. Some Theranos shit. Just stabs uh, somebody and it flashes a light. For sure. Depending on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I wonder know. If that, so, that might have been early on. Like, that's probably the number one thing you would want to try to develop oh right? yeah it's at you least a to. test for it right although you just think a thorough examination for bites but that's not as you know if you're having to process a thousand people for sanctuary 
you don't want to strip everybody and have them. Sure. If you can just Theranos them, yeah. Yeah. Just homes them. <laughs> uh, what else? Okay, Ben from New Orleans says, I found it interesting that in episode one, Fedra lied to the kid that wandered into the Boston quarantine zone. It seemed like the plan was to lie to keep the kid calm and not fearful. Not a huge departure from how the Fireflies treated Ellie or how Joel treated Ellie. Maybe we're all more alike than we are different. Hmm. Interesting comparison. I I mean, obviously, they're fundamentally different. That kid uh, wasn't he, the cure. Yeah. Yeah. You got this kid and it's like. If there, you know, I, I've, you know, if there is no hope, um, I don't know what you want to. I don't, I don't know how you should treat children. Right. Like if you got a six year old that's going to die of cancer. Do you explain that to him in excruciating detail or do you make him as comfortable and calm and as happy as you can for the last remaining moments of life? Right. Um, whereas Ellie sure. is a 14 year old girl who could comprehend and you're doing something to her. And if you didn't, she'd be just fine. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that they book in the whole series with, with kids being lied to about their prognosis and, and, uh, you know, just being put to sleep. Yeah. Uh, Martin has the observation that if you're the last brain surgeon in the world, every problem looks like a brain that needs to be surgeoned. It's a (laughs) paraphrasing of the hammer and nail. I'm like, that's Uh that actually would explain a lot that this guy's like a neurosurgeon. He doesn't know shit about funguses and stuff. And he's got a person's (laughs) immune. Like the first thing we got to do is surgery. This brain. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know much, but I know a lot about surgery on brains. And by God, we're going to surgery this brain. Uh, Kale says during the Tuesday's podcast, Jim talked about how Joel physically couldn't survive if Ellie died and it triggered a thought in me. In episode three, Bill Net- Bill left a note for Joel explaining how they're the same person. They're both survivors, but they also live to protect the things they love. Bill is faced with the same choice to honor Frank's wish or deny it and how he could deal with it. Bill did honor his wish, but also decided he couldn't go on without Frank. Joel was faced with the same choice and wasn't ready to go. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this is another, I, I, cause I don't have much to add for this point other than I remember when we were, most people loved episode three, but the, there's a few people who's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand when we have a nine episode season and there's all these imagined pacing issues later on. Um, how can we spend the time to delve into this Frank and bill? And we talked about like, well, you learn so much about, Ellie and 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 Joel through this exploration of Bill and Frank mm-hmm. and I, I never thought that like you would get those things looking backwards too. like these were telling these were telling us things about Joel that are going to be relevant all the way to the finale yeah no I like that comparison um, Bill went through with it uh, uh, gave gave Frank you know that moment and then killed himself uh yeah, I I could see like if if you know in this case like I guess Joel's Frank would be the world would be humanity right like he'd be he'd be letting Ellie die to save humanity and then he'd kill himself. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's different. I, I guess it's a matter of degrees actually, um, but it's a little bit different because Ellie wasn't going to die anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. So like Frank was was facing his imminent death and Bill knew it. 
So so he gave him that. But I I don't know. Joel can't give can't give the world this gift of Ellie's death because Ellie has more time to live a lot more. I got to say that, like, I was a little sympathetic to like, boy, it does seem it does seem to be spending a lot of time as much as I liked to Bill and Frank. I could see like uh, I, if, if the back half of the season is feels rushed or whatever, then, you know, that's people going to point fingers. But like, if anything, it felt like they had pl- all the time they needed in these last three or yeah. four episodes. I never felt like it was rushed. No, I mean, they even made new stuff up that isn't in the games with Ellie's mom, right? Like, right. they had plenty of time. And this is what I was telling them. Like, that's what I was saying. The plot in this game is not super dense. Right. So six episodes is plenty of time to get where they need to get, both, you know, physically in the world and also yeah. emotionally with Joel and Ellie. And honestly, I think they only really omitted like two or three even big set pieces. You know, of like Joel and Ellie. Yeah, being and they're ch- largely like there just was... action stuff, right? Right, exactly. There there were certainly a lot of encounters with Infected and other, you know, Fedra and Firefly and various reaving forces on uh, around the land. But like the big like set pieces where you think about, um, you know, playing the game, it's like there weren't a lot that they omitted. Um. Mm-hmm. So I yeah I I thought it was pretty well paced, and I feel like that's something. And I I never did like I was with you this whole time too. It's like it doesn't feel like that they are you know going to have to rush because I was like you. It's like there's just the the plot is not thin, but the actual plot, the cutscenes of it all is mm-hmm. something you could easily watch in like a couple hours on YouTube. So yeah. Yeah, it turns out they had time to elaborate and embellish, and and um, I mean, at this point, in I have just rock solid faith in this team for season two. And here's the thing: like, if they didn't have time, they would have done a tenth episode. They would have done an eleventh episode, right? Sure. There is no restriction at HBO saying you need to make this nine right. episodes. Yeah. yeah. No, they and wrote I- to the end of the story, and they got there. <laughs> like. Yeah, have a little faith that they didn't fuck up the pacing so bad that they realized in post production, oh shit, we need a tenth episode. Right. If anything, they in post production collapse an episode to to you know better pace things. But like, yeah, I hmm, it um, in fact, they they even had time to spare because like one of the penultimate episodes or one of the what was it episode seven or eight that was only like thirty five minutes long with yeah, like credits and stuff and that finale was short uh, like shorter mm-hmm. than i expected and it mm-hmm. did backstory so yeah plenty of time yeah watch out for that fungus we'll be right back with more savage starlight we found something to fight for this podcast welcome back to savage starlight uh billy g says is it possible um, is it possible that this isn't such a rush job as we seem to think with this brain procedure? Marlene got there before Joel and Ellie, so I would take it that she told the doctor about them hopefully making it. She might have even made it to Salt Lake City before they evacuated. That's a few months of the doctor thinking of ways to make a cure from this. He would even have the information on Ellie's mom getting affected right before birth. I'm still on the team Fuck the Fireflies, and they should have had at least <laughs> tried a few things first, but maybe the doctor thought this was the only way to get it done after running a few tests. Um, I find this unconvincing because if anything, the information Marlene would tell the doctor, it's a single case study at best. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a hair, it's a hearsay case study at that. 
and the fundamental details is are wrong. Anna lied to Marlene about the circumstances of Ellie's birth. Oh, right, right. So how the hell can the doctor from that one datum point where I, I knew a friend who got bit somewhere around the time she gave birth and she said she cut the cord 10 seconds before she was bit. And then 14 years later, this girl got bit and she was immune. Like, I, I just can't see how you go from that. Even if you're like, OK, I, I, I'm, I'm turning that over my mind. I'm in the shower and I'm thinking about immunity and pregnancy and 10 seconds before the umbilical. Co- like, how the fuck does all the years of that help you get to, OK, we got her here six hours later, cut her brain open. We got it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say they did six hours of testing on her, sure, but I don't know that that's enough testing. To confirm their bullshit hypothesis. <laughs> all, all, that... all the, like, 50 different theories they must have had, right? Like, maybe yeah. it's that, maybe it's that. And again, fundamentally based on half-true information at best. Um, yeah, I'm with I'm you on very this. Curious. I, I think it, it's a kind of ridiculous idea that this scientist should be cutting into this girl right now. Um, yeah. But I don't think we disagree on that. I am... Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I think, honestly, the our big disagreement is I think I thought we were going to fight over the premise of, like, if you have a single person you could sacrifice for a surefire attempt at the entire world, should you do it? Obviously, I, I think, think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but unfortunately, that wasn't the scenario the game and, or the show's presenting. And who is um, that girl to you, right? Like, is it is it your daughter or yeah. is it some stranger? Because those yeah, yeah, are not yeah. equivalent. Yeah, not if you want to get away from just pure ethics and morality. And again, talk about the human component, mm-hmm. of course. I am curious when we get to that chapter. Uh, of course, I'll have my 200 cylinders of propane. But I've heard alluded to that there is some things you can, they're discoverable snips of like journals and things that allude to the fact that they have had this like, very promising line of research and this theory, this hypothesis of this this function of uh immunity mm. in the brain and all they need is a a sing, like a like a, a living example of it and then they would have this breakthrough but even still even still uh and you lose that in the show uh, that's yeah not, yeah if it's not on screen it doesn't exist in the show so yeah like even if they had like a hypothetical stacks of manila folders with case studies and they sit that joel wouldn't be in a position to judge the veracity of this information <laughs> sure sure very few people would be in uh so you just kind of mm-hmm. gotta all put blind trust in went home and died so yeah all, <laughs> even fewer are available all of them went home to eat one last meal with their family and or a bullet so mm-hmm. uh Billy also says, how have the fire or have the fireflies ever seen the watchman? The way you handle the situation, if you don't want to kill Joel outright, is you keep him sedated until the procedure's over, then you wake him up so there's nothing he can do about it. Hell, you can even lie to him and tell him that it was Ellie's choice. On a serious note, though, my feelings on Joel's decision was once they took the choice from Ellie, they took the choice from Joel, too. There's no way he's going to just let them kill his new daughter without even giving her the option to agree. And and that's that's the humanity of it. That's why... I think people still don't completely understand my fuck them firefly standpoint is there was a group of people who had the time to consider how best to go about the situation. And this is the thing that they came up with. Um, I, I feel like that's a fundamental inexcusable because this is such a, this is such a precious opportunity to just completely mishandle it 
And and I, there's a couple things other people wrote in, and, I, and we might even discuss this on Tuesday that like Marlene did not t- think that Joel was going to turn into you know Daddy Pedro. He, she didn't totally. think that he was yeah. going to bond with Ellie and all that kind of thing. But like I said she thought it'd take a week or two to drive across the country. Right. Uh, right. Actually, no, not even that. She thought it'd take like a night to yeah. get them to, to get Ellie to the state house where the fireflies right. would just take her and that'd be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the so, fact that it took five months to get there is crazy. But it's like, you know, if you if you go down the path of like, well, the Fireflies couldn't afford for Ellie to say no. I don't even know what the fuck that means in this instance. But like, it just seems like the natural thing to do would be to wipe out Joel, too. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they yeah. just, just never occurred to Marlene that Joel's going to catch, you know, father daughter feelings for, for Ellie. Um, but you got to suspect that when they spent six months in the in the shit together. Yeah. At this point, you might expect it. Let me ask you this. Is there any potential that Marlene here is trying to save herself the same from the same fate as Joel and Ellie here? Like Joel spent six months with this girl, fell in love with Mm -hmm. her and cannot sacrifice her. Mm -hmm. Is Marlene worried that the same thing if she were to not cut Ellie open right now, (laughs) six hours in is going to happen to her. She's going to spend time with Ellie, fall in love with her and then won't be able to do what she needs to do. I love the idea of them taking Ellie to an examination room and in 15 minutes the doctor's like, can I see everyone outside the room? They get out in the corridor. It's like, we have a problem. This fucking girl's too fucking adorable. If I spend five more minutes with her, I can already feel my resolve softening. Uh-huh. Five more minutes with this Ellie girl and Make she says call. fuck one Make more time and I just can't do it. I can't do it. She's too cool. She's too fucking cool yep. and adorable. She whipped out that pun book and I was, I was smitten. I, I couldn't help it. Because they're meteor. How can we cut this girl's brain? <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can totally see it. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see it. Um, I, I think legitimately right. though, Mar- Marlene is kind of worried about that too. But yeah, it could it, be. It, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we actually have a purported expert, a Dr. Margaret, who's a pediatrician from Montana. Um, and I'm, I'm glad someone, uh, several people, but I'm glad that you guys uh, did, uh, come forth with your opinion says, Aaron, you're right on about the fireflies, questionable motives regarding Ellie and basically everything. Now, four out of five doctors said that the fireflies were right. I, of course, cherry pick for the one that said there, no, that's (laughs) seems like all the experts. I was kind of pleased to see just tons and tons of like the medical profession being genuinely horrified by the way they're oh, being portrayed yeah. in this because it's bad science. It's bad science. Yeah. I don't know whether it's just doctors don't have enough time to play video games. They missed all this in the first round, but like I've always thought that the fireflies were fucking weird Nazi medical research doctors, but it's, it's nice. It's nice to have real MDs saying that too. Uh, she gets technical, says the crux of the discussion rests on whether they should have included Ellie in the decision to do surgery. Ellie is a minor, so you're right. She can't consent to a procedure or a treatment that falls to her guardian. In this case, probably either Marlene or Joel, depending on where you stand uh, on who has more parental standing. Uh, but there's two issues with this, however. One, Ellie is, for all intents and purposes, an emancipated minor, which means she can absolutely consent for herself and should have been given a risk-benefits alternatives discussion given the chance to have her questions answered just as she would have done if she were an adult receiving chemo or a liver transplant or whatever. Two, if you take the argument that she's not emancipated, that's fair. However, in a situation like this or in chemotherapy or a transplant, something like that, 
Um, a compass mentis, I mean, mentally competent is Latin for mentally competent, surely. 14 year old child would be given the opportunity to assent to the procedure. This happens in medicine all the time with teenage children who are diagnosed with life threatening illnesses that require a risky procedure to treat them. In many cases, a child will defer to their parents, but in some cases, a child will make a decision that's in opposition to the parental's wishes. This can be tricky in real-life medical world because the minor's wishes need to be taken into consideration as decisions are made. Either way, putting a child who has any ability to understand what she is in for medically without informing her and obtaining assent is at the very least criminal. I like the discussion between consent, which can only be given by a legal adult who is in you know, a competent state of mind and is fully informed of all the facts as they stand versus assent. Which is which is essentially saying, yeah, I agree with it, but it doesn't require the mental competency of an adult. Hmm. So, like, okay, yeah. Again, it, 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 by and and that's the thing is like you always can resort to the trolley problem. That's my big problem with the, the fireflies. Um, they're like, well, we couldn't risk asking Ellie, but what does that mean? You know, another professional wrote in and said, here's the thing. Um, Joel and Ellie or or, or Joel and the Fireflies both violated uh, Ellie's consent. You know, neither of them gave her a choice. Mm -hmm. One group's choice led to Ellie's death. One group's choice or one 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 person robbing Ellie of her choice uh, was going to make her dead. One person robbing her of her choice was going to make her alive. Does that change? Mm-hmm. Does that does that does that help understand the moral calculus here? Because they're like, I feel I mean, like it feeds the, into it, yeah. Because people they're saying that like, well, they both robbed her of her choice, are acting as if those are equivalent choices that they were robbed of, and I I feel like that that never sat sure. well with me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you were robbed of the choice to have a procedure a liver transplant or something it doesn't mean you can't then make that choice again and go have it somewhere else mm-hmm. whereas if you're if you're robbed of the choice to not make to not have that procedure mm-hmm. uh that's going to kill you perhaps um yeah. you might not have another chance at it right like it's it's not equivalent because Ellie never gets to experience anything ever again if the fireflies take her choice Right. Joel taking her choice means she lives on and could potentially make that decision later. True. She it's turns not, it's 18. Not totally she moves out. Says, now I'm going to go back to the hospital. Yeah, I... And the thing is, like, there aren't... Boy, it's... The apocalypse of the situation hurts, too, because... Right. What even is consent in the apocalypse when there is like no a, society? If Joel says, well, when you get to be 18, you can choose to go to the hospital. Well, how do you what if she doesn't? What if she gets torn apart on the way back to Jackson and that opportunity is lost forever? Like there I am since I am sympathetic to there is some sense of urgency, not only just getting about saving humanity, but also like, yeah, the hospital could get overrun at any time. Uh, The power could could go off for the last time ever. The doctor could get bitten and then there's no one left to do research. But god damn the the side of the urgency can't be like literally this woman what comes in with this man presents immunity and as soon as we can we are we're cutting her brain open sure sure yeah 
Uh, Connor B. from Dallas. As a new dad to a little girl, the baby girl moment I found incredible. But while that was emotional and gut-wrenching, watching Joel and Ellie with the drafts was a real surrogate father moment for me. Joel grabs the branches and doesn't give some of the branches to Ellie so that they can both feed the giraffe. He gives all the branches to Ellie so that he can watch her feed the giraffe. I felt that deep down as a new dad. There's something better than experiencing something, and that's watching your kid experience something. Yep. And Daddy Pedro nailed that emotion. Like, got got all that. Oh, mm-hmm. speak, speaking, I don't know. We're, are we speaking of dumbass Aaron moments? I'm going to speak of a dumb, dumbass Aaron moment. <laughs> okay. I got a lot of this. I was going on about how this is a real giraffe and was filmed in front of a green screen, and it gave its, its face a weird greenish tint. And I watched behind the scene um, Instagram and stuff that they were showing Pedro and Bella in front of the giraffe. And I mentioned the giraffe had the the green screen. I got like 12 emails that showed that I was wrong. The giraffe was in front of a blue screen. Oh, my God. Well, this is a total. The shading of the giraffe itself would make green. Boom! You saved me. But you but go. seriously, I would have sworn on any number of stacks of Bibles, I would have bet a week's pay <laughs> that... And I'd just seen this shit 24 hours before I recorded. It literally blew my mind. It was this intense, like, that Mandela effect or the Berenstain, Berenstain effect. Like, I... Mm-hmm. And that's usually from like, well, you read a book when you're a kid and you found out the title is wrong. I, that literally happened 24 hours ago. <laughs> Yeah, man. Look, shit I can't coming at me fast. What I in did the, in, this weekend. So, yeah, shit, shit came at me fast in the old inbox. I went from Pedro's Pedro dildos to blue screen giraffes. <laughs> it just, I really was questioning my reality this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carly, this show has blown my emotional mind. I'm not sure if becoming a mother during the actual global pandemic has played a role, but I truly cannot remember the last time I felt so emotionally moved while watching television. Every up and down, I personally felt through the entire season. As a woman who's been a young teen, I felt sadness for Ellie's trauma. Then now, the desperation of Joel is apparent. And as a show-only watcher, the giraffe scene made me audibly gasp. I never saw it coming. What a sense of wonder. The show has truly changed my appreciation for things I take for granted. I've not eaten a strawberry the same since episode three. I walked Hmm. by the arcade not long ago and stood for a moment with wonder, taking in the lights and sounds. The next time I visit our local zoo and feed a giraffe, it just won't be the same in the best sort of way. Uh, lots of people said as Sholene watchers that the giraffe scene worked, and I'm glad because that's it. It's just no matter how shitty the mm-hmm. world gets, you never know when you're going to turn a corner and there is a surprise giraffe. <laughs> and you kind of yeah. live for the surprise giraffes in uh, life. Sure. Sure. I wish I could feel something that deeply. That'd be nice. Go to an arcade and be like, man, look at this. This marvel of modernity here. Yeah. I was trying to think about like going to Dave and Buster's with that, you know, and like not thinking that this carpet (laughs) smells mildewy and the bathroom hasn't been cleaned yet today. And And I got to touch a joystick that 15 eight-year-olds have just been (laughs) putting their hands all over. Yeah. I got to touch joy six of 20 vaccine hesitant children. Uh-huh. Uh, I, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, kudos to you. If you're able to hold on to, especially these winter strawberries we've been getting of late. Uh, they're not even in season strawberries. If you can see the glory of that. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wait till you have one of Frank's right out of the patch strawberries. Um, 
Like, hey, that's the power of that's the power of media, man. It um, really can have you have uh, profound life. I mean, I definitely there's like two or three shows that have wildly changed my personal outlook on things. Um, yeah, the Wire is totally. one of them. The Leftovers is one of them. Um, and honestly, playing The Last of Us and The Last of Us Two is another one. Um, had big, pretty profound impacts on like my worldview and how I saw things. Uh, Justin from Columbus, Ohio says the part that annoyed me most about the episode was that I perceived it as a break of character for Joel. Throughout the show, we were told Joel is not the capable fighter he used to be. The kid almost kills him in Kansas City. One guy at the bat about kills him in Colorado, but now he just mows down 500 fireflies with no problems. Do you feel like that part was earned? Uh, he's he's in full contractor mode here. You know, this is it. This is the moment for him. Yeah. Before he didn't have this love for Ellie to fight for so much. You know, it yeah. hadn't crystallized as as well as it has here. Yeah, I I think that uh, I I'm a firm believer that you can that dad powers are real. Um, that in extreme uh, instances of stress and uh, danger that they can be magnified. Um, Joel and these other senses does, did not have like a fully kitted out assault rifle um, and the True. element of surprise probably. And yeah, it's it's one of the things like it's a, it's a one in a million thing. Like mm-hmm. in the average player playing <laughs> who hasn't had the foresight to stockpile 200 rounds of flamethrower ammo finds this section of the game fairly tricky you know you're probably going to die a couple of times in the course of doing it but like pedro is that one in a million guy who i guess i said joel uh who's able to fight through and and win And, and i love it as like his arc completing here right um he's failed ellie so many times uh in his own mind that this is the moment he will not fail again and he doesn't he saves her whether he should or not is is a different question well, but in but this moment he saves to her it. like the final the time where totally, joel finally yeah. just does it and you know becomes this thing and saves ellie ultimately is the one time where it's like ah god should you you know is this your right should you have done that uh, mm-hmm. you know like i said the real interesting moral questions is what comes next you know does does, does Joel and Ellie ever find a way to talk about this? Does it become, you know, at what point do you tell a, um, a, a person that you killed 50 people and perhaps threw away the world's chance at redemption just because you like the pleasure of their company? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that do to them? You know, how, well, how do you process that? Sure. You know, uh, and it's, it's like it works on multiple levels because like Ellie clearly got something out of this thought of that she was special. You know, she got a lot of motivation from that. What if not only was that thrown away, but like by the person that you loved the most, but they were doing it to save you? Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah. And then how do you talk? Or like, you know, it's like, you see Ellie, oh, when I got there, their generators were flickering. The scientist had, uh, you know, chili sauce on his, his smock. He was not a serious, <laughs> sure. he's not a serious doctor, Ellie. You got to believe me that there's no chance, no chance at all that you would actually save the world. Like, well, yeah. How do you, how do you get into that conversation? Even oh, if it's true, know. if it's a hundred percent true, how do you convince hell? She's never been in a functional hospital. How would you convince her that these mm-hmm. people are insane? You know? 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. The Last of Us Part Two, unless they just—I think the Last of Us Part Two is just going to be Ellie and Joel having no troubles. Yeah, they're going to build just go around the various. Yeah, they're going to build. A, they're going to get. They're going to round up the monkeys and the giraffes and start a post-apocalyptic zoo uh-huh. in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just going to be. It's just going to be a nice uh, father-daughter bonding season. That's it. That's it. Sounds good. Shamim says, not having played the game and honestly resenting anything that diminishes Pedro's screen time, I have to advocate for limited use of the infected in the show. So this is, we've, I had a lot of people okay. talking about how, and we have over the last few episodes, the lack of infected somewhat takes away from some of the other points the game's trying to make about the criticality of this vaccine and whatnot, right? Uh, so Shamim says... You need all of the doing type stuff to play a game, but in the show, it's the story of the people, and I'm happy to just know they're coming across infected occasionally while off screen. I'm thinking of The Walking Dead, where after a while, because they keep encountering walkers, they had to keep upping the stakes until city-sized hordes didn't even matter, and soon the walkers were being comical and even boring. I think making them rare and unseen menace is smart. But what if they could climb and open doors? <laughs> What if they could jiggle doorknobs? Uh-huh. What the if they could they, they could just jiggle? If they could just jiggle the doorknob. The jiggling um, dead. It's the new spinoff from AMC. Uh, a, uh I feel like there's a there's a uh uh an LL Cool J song that talks about this phenomenon. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Wasn't he had a jiggling there's a j- jiggling baby song? Had to be. Had to be. Don't, don't jiggle your babies. Don't. Don't shake him. Don't maybe jiggle. It's a, maybe it's a too short thing. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't jiggle any babies. Hmm. It's too, too, too hard on their central nervous system. I, 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 I mean, I'm sympathetic. I, I actually think that the show, um, if you're choosing more and more infected versus less infected but more character, if you have a stick that can controls that balance, I would rather them err on the side of too much. Uh, dear God, our producer just said Jingling Baby by LL Cool J is indeed a song. Uh, right. Yeah, fire that up in Spotify if you if you want to if you want to know how you jingling. Did, did he j- do a no, Christmas it's jingling, album? not jiggle, not jiggle. Is it a Chris? I don't think it's a. It feels more of a horny song than a Christmas song. Sometimes <laughs> Christmas songs can be horny. I mean, it's Daddy in a medley with Claus, big old kind of butt, stuff. so probably a sex song. Probably a sex song. Um. Shit, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, you got a you got a lever between max zombies, walking dead, no character, minimal zombies, maximum character. I'm glad they chose to do the latter setting. But and I and I think Craig and and Neil themselves said as much in the final podcast. I think you could take that lever and move it 10 or 15 degrees back towards the walking dead side and you would not sacrifice the characters and you would get a little bit more action and danger, which is that's that's required of the setting. You have to believe that the infected are a constant threat. And I do think, you know, I played the game, so I didn't have any problems believing that like off screen, all this shit is happening. I think next season they need to get a little bit of that. Find a way with cold opens or something to show that these characters are struggling with this present ever present menace. Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge in season two because I I expect that season two will have less reason to go to infected stuff. Um, really, but we'll see. We'll see. 
Yeah, that's the other thing they said is like that is as as brilliant as the tendril idea was. I do think that they realized themselves that like, oh Jesus, this is something we can't use every episode because what the hell are you going to do? Defeat an entire city size horde every episode? There's no way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, I, I I'm glad they went this way versus the other, but I do think they can bump it up, and I think they are promising that they will. So we'll see. Uh, Jeb says, I didn't like how Marlene just shows up at the end. It feels like it makes the whole Fireflies need you to take her journey seem kind of dumb. If she could have just taken Ellie anyway, but maybe that's just in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, it's it in that moment. You got to think about what just happened, right? Her entire squad was just decimated by whatever his name was. Paul, Peter, I forget his name. Bob. Um, Bob? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> hey, you know, we'll, we'll meet the son of a bitch on Sunday night, though, won't we? Twitch.tv slash Bald Move. We sure will. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her, she was just, like, laid low by that dude, so she didn't really got have, shot herself. have her shit together. Yeah. Right. She was gut shot. She needed time to recover. Um, Joel was kind of her only option in that moment. Fedra was closing in, right, yeah. on that location. They, they needed to get her out right now. Um, so I see why she did it. And like I said earlier, she just thought he was escorting her to the state house where mm-hmm. other fireflies were waiting to pick her up and take her. So she didn't expect this to be a five month, six month mission that yeah. they were going on. And once they're gone, like, and I'm trying to think, okay, so Marlene is a very high ranking firefly soldier, right? She apparently is the boss in the entire Boston quarantine zone, which since Boston is a very large city, probably one of the, you know, bigger quarantine zones. It's not like the mm-hmm. Cincinnati quarantine zone or the Sioux City Falls quarantine zone. Like this Boston's pretty big, pretty big major metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. And that entire squad, like you said, the entire firefly organization in Boston seemed like it got just rolled up and then maybe it's a regional catastrophe because a big you know um, another force of fireflies are ready to take them to where they needed to go also got rolled up so um, it seems like there's a lot and you know she's gut shot but like since she is a high ranking Fedra soldier and or probably officer and she no longer has a group of people to protect like doesn't it make sense that they would recall her to the headquarters you know because what else is she going to do yeah, I mean, as far as her just showing up, yeah, um, I guess I don't have a huge problem with it. Yeah, but it, like if sure Riley maybe I shows up, if if Riley showed up, uh, you know, if she hadn't gotten bitten, like a low level Fedra sol- or Firefly soldier shows up at the Firefly headquarters, that might. But like, yeah, Marlene, she's like a field general, right? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe I'm making excuses for it, but that's how maybe, I rationalized maybe. it. Um, Ryan says, it looks like there's general agreement that the Fireflies had a legit doctor acting in good faith with ample scientific evidence that Ellie's brain would in fact lead to a cure. Then what Joel did was wrong. Even though there's a serious ethical issue of killing Ellie without her consent, it saves the world. Uh, if it saves the world, then it's an easy trolley problem to figure out. Also, if the Fireflies were clearly a bunch of incompetent goons who were about to botch the handling of a once-in-a-lifetime chance at a cure, then what Joel did was right. But the show didn't really give us an indication in either direction. The doctors seemed professional and legit before Joel blew his brains out, but the Fireflies also demonstrated themselves to be bungling fools. 
I don't think this level of ambiguity is good storytelling. I also don't think that anyone can really come to any conclusions about how successful the surgery would have been. It's an unsatisfying ending because it's needlessly ambiguous. They had more time in the episode to justify or condemn Joel's actions. They needed to go one way or the other because the message of he loves her so he saves her isn't convincing or even justifiable considering the fate of humanity being at stake. Jim, what do you make of this objection? So, I, I kind of agree with this. I Look, all of the emotional beats hit. I don't think it's a problem with the, the character motivations. I don't think it's a problem with any of that stuff. It might be a matter of being too familiar with the material as a writer. And having the benefit of the guy who made up the fucking story in the first place sitting right next to you to when you say... Hey, does this make sense? He says, yeah, because this, this, and this. And mm. that stuff ne never quite makes it on screen. Mm -hmm. Or in your head, it made it on screen because you just expect people to go with what you tell them. Not yeah. to question that, you know, they, they might not have power here. And this doctor might not have thought through it. There might be other solutions. I, I think it's a minor failing, like a, a super minor failing. It doesn't it doesn't ruin it in any way, in my opinion. But like, yeah, I could see it. I could see it. If you're I think just one of the reasons it. it's so interesting is because it's not reducible to an easy answer. You know, like all the stuff that is like, you know, the whole totally. fucking fireflies part of it is more interesting than because I, I I watch a lot of people, I like to watch people debate philosophy and politics and whatnot. And it's astounding how many times when people from different viewpoints get together that like they're three, they're anytime three moves away from a Nazi comparison or a rape analogy. Oh boy. Because they're desperately trying to reduce their position to something that you obviously can't. Like, you know, it's like you're arguing like, mm -hmm. should John Deere be able to outlaw farmers from mucking around with their million dollar tractors? And like you're, you know, three turns later, the exasperated person who's for free technology says, so let me get this straight. You think that John Deere should be able to strap down farmers and no, well, what the fuck? No, what? Well, of course I don't agree <laughs> with that. Well, straw manning, yeah. Right, right. Uh, no one ever tries to straw man or steel man a position. It's I I wish that that Neil I guess twelve years ago had steel manned both positions. So really, uh -huh. you could spend like hours and hours debating about this. But like it seems like what he did is make up a really messy thing. Where like you said, if the fireflies are right and they can make a cure a hundred percent, then Joel's a fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. And if Joel and if 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 the evidence available to you suggests that the fireflies were incompetent or this was a Hail Mary and they sh they were bungling and hasty, then Joel's right. Um, but I, I think that's better than if like Joel had come across a, a journey, a, a, like a journal from the doctor where he's in completely insane, you know, where he's <laughs> sure. like, all yeah, yeah. All work and no brains to cut on makes Dr. Jack a dull, dull boy. Like if this is just written over and over and over again, you know, yeah. like that's an e then, and then there's it's no longer a, a moral question. And I think that's what Druckmann wanted to do. But, you know, I, I guess I was a little disappointed because I thought like, you know, obviously Druckmann's a much younger person when he conceived of the story and wrote it, I, I mm -hmm. was hoping that maybe they would do a little bit of that steel manning so that I would really on the final episode be like, damn, I guess the fire, Ooh, it's a tougher one for me to judge than I thought, but it it's literally the game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and that was kind of their philosophy going in, right? If the game did it, 
extremely well and they couldn't do it better, then don't change it. Um, Boy, here, this it's... might be a case where maybe they could have done it slightly better. Hmm. Maybe it would have paid off. I, I will say that everybody like hones in on this, like doctor checking in. Do we have enough power for this procedure? Yeah, that came up a lot. Yeah, I don't think this is something you can say you can point to and say the fireflies are ill prepared and dumbasses and like, oh, they're going to try this procedure when they don't have enough power. This is pre-surgery checks that you absolutely want to do. And in the apocalypse, where you're running on generators, one of the pre-surgery checks you should probably do is, do we have enough power? Are, yeah. are we good on power? Just yeah. like you would say, are do we have the fucking blood here to transfuse if we need it? Sure. Do we have the fucking hemostats? And do we have the gauze? Yeah. And like, you want all of these things checked. This is the pre-flight check, right? Mm-hmm. You check, do we have fuel? Well, of course you need fucking fuel in your plane, mm-hmm. right? Or you're not going mm-hmm. anywhere, but you still check it. Right. Even if it's foundational and fundamental and obvious. So I think this guy checking the power is smart, not an indicator that they're like shoestring and unable to pull this off. Um, I think it's a little bit of both because obviously if a hospital has got like, but but it's also the uh, Apocalypse. There's no place with stable exactly. power. Probably not yeah. even Jackson. You know, like, and they're uh-huh. hooked up to the a fucking hydro power generator. So certainly not in the game, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when we go to the ad, make every shot count. We'll be back with more of Savage Starlight. We're not the cure for mankind, but we have your favorite podcast. Here's more of Savage Starlight. Um, let's move on to Sierra says I felt very strong Daenerys with the bells vibes from Joel in this episode the graphic murders juxtaposed with this weirdly happy demeanor with Ellie after reminded me of Danny burning the small folk and then making the cheerful speech to the unsullied hmm. my reaction to this episode is also the same as the Game of Thrones one and that I couldn't suspend my disbelief and really buy what I was seeing it's not that I didn't understand the character motivations here for Danny or Joel because I understand why they might go on these murder sprees but the scaffolding the writers have set up in order to push these characters over the edge seems flimsy. Joel slash Danny felt railroaded into these tipping points where they chose violence. The Fireflies really had to immediately kill Ellie and then just expected Joel to calmly walk out of the door. They're going to instantly kill the only immune human they've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it's baited to me because it made the connection between Danny and Joel, which I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh-huh agree i don't agree with that because i felt like danny the situation there is like danny literally got everything she wanted and then went mm-hmm. on a murder spree it's like if joel came up uh to marlene and is like god damn it you can't operate her until i hear from myself that ellie wants to do this and she's like okay mm-hmm. joel let's go we'll interrupt her out of surgery you can talk to herself and you, she can tell you and then at the end, he's like, nah, fuck it. Pop, pop, it starts blowing. You know, Ellie's like, no, Joel, this is what I want. They've convinced me. They gave me a six hour PowerPoint while you were, ex- and like, it's 100% <laughs> cure. And this is what I wanted. I've, yeah. like, that's the Danny and the Bell situation. The city was I've, surrendered. That's what the Bells were all about. Like, you know. Okay. But yeah, I've blocked that out of my mind. Season eight oh, is a, a void in my mind. Uh, God, I mean, I've only seen those episodes two or three times and I, you know, took notes on them and did feedback and all that stuff. But like, yeah, I still mm-hmm. God damn it. It still pisses me off. Um, <laughs> I remember it fucked fireflies and a much less degree of intensity and hatred, but also fuck them double D's fuck them double yeah. D's. 
had one opportunity to tell George Martin's story because let's face it, we're not getting uh, <laughs> we're not getting them in book form. No, and they fucking ripped the patient's brains right out in season seven and eight. Ah, mm-hmm. ah, uh, uh, and for what? So Disney can cancel your three hundred million dollars Star Wars trilogy? <laughs> God damn. Okay, we got to get off the subject. I'm gonna get yeah. heated. <sighs> All right, Michael T. says, I just got done listening to the instant take, and I 100% agree with Aaron. Well, thank you. That Joel killing all these guys felt weirdly anticlimactic. Oh. Oh, okay. I personally think <laughs> right. the show cut too much of the action in general, but specifically that sequence looked like a leisurely stroll with Joel as he killed those 30 dudes. It should have felt more like John Wick or when Daredevil kicked ass through the apartment building, a man desperately and against all odds making his way to save his daughter. But for me, it felt like they just yada yada through what should have been a pulse pounding final shootout. Ooh. All right. I, I think it's to each I, their own on this. I, I, I will. It's not even agree to disagree. It's like. I enjoyed what they did. Would I have enjoyed a John Wick style thing as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, ah, oh God, again, is there a middle ground here? Because clearly Neil and Craig did not want to glorify violence in this moment because it's going mm. against what they're trying to say. Like, you're supposed to understand, like, you, when you see John Wick killing many, many, many people and Daredevil kicking much, much ass in hallways, you never think, oh, God, this is really going to traumatize them. And boy, how is John Wick going to explain this to his new puppy that he did all this over? I mean, I just don't know. Like, you're just like, this is a righteous person with a righteous cause against evil people, and they all fucking need to die or get their joints dislocated, depending on (laughs) Daredevil or John Wick. You're Uh not supposed to feel that way. But I I wonder if there's a way for them to start off with it being very badass and yes, yes, and then the longer it goes on, like, they change up the music, they change it to slow-mo. Uh, Pedro plays hmm. a little like very detached, deranged, and but the thing is, is like to really sell that you'd need like horror from like Ellie, and the way they constructed hmm. the scene that wasn't ever going to happen. I think you're supposed to feel that from the doctor, like the true civilians. These aren't Firefly soldiers, like their terror at Joel, but like it doesn't quite get there because. Could you see it from Marlene? Could could Marlene be the? the horror surrogate here like it's if tough. she were falling back right and and joel is yeah. steamrolling all her guys and she's seeing this happen and falling back and falling back and joel keeps coming maybe you could get there i don't know maybe i think you like marlene yeah no i think I, that's what i'm saying i i don't know how you do it better because like they again they clearly committed to the the other approach where it's like you're supposed to feel bad this it feels anticlimactic because as gamers we remember feeling like we beat that fucking game right in that mm-hmm. moment you yeah. know, the denouement that's kind of like soul crushing hasn't come yet, but we are <laughs> saving the princess from the castle. We are, sure. you know, we are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando saving Alyssa Milano from the evil fucking, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Central American <laughs> fictional country henchman, right? And Bennett. Uh-huh. Um, you're not supposed to feel it this way, but like because of the artificially constructed scenario, the ways you would eventually have, because, because we are Joel, you'd have to come, you'd have to, you'd have to make it feel authentically sick from Joel's POV. And I don't think there's a single POV that can make him feel that way, except through Ellie and Ellie's unconscious. So, and I think maybe that's actually Neil worked this out cleverly that you don't get that horror until it's already done. 
and you're on the precipice of the promised land where you can just see the future of playing guitar and raising sheep and 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 growing old and watching Ellie turn into a strong woman uh and and you're her surrogate dad and at that moment you get to feel the horror of what you've done that's kind of cool yeah i don't have a big problem with the way they did it honestly uh like i said it's to each their own here mm. Well, maybe I said maybe we should I, both compile because like I did I definitely got the anticlimax, but I don't think it's an unintended effect. I think they were going for that. It's just that it surprised us because and maybe we only gamers think this way because that's the other thing is like I, I really do. I never felt like when I was doing the rampage that I was doing something wrong. It wasn't until after the fact where I'm like, oh, fuck, like Ellie's in my arms going down the elevator. You even start to think about like, fuck. Yeah, you know. I don't know that you're supposed. I don't know that the slow mo here is necessarily supposed to indicate the the meta conceptual horror that is happening here. Like you're, you, what you're doing here is effectively, you know, murdering a bunch of people, walking down a hall in slow motion in order to doom humanity. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily at least not all you're supposed to be feeling, or not even the majority of what you're supposed to be feeling. What you're supposed to be feeling is a father protecting his daughter. Hmm. And I think they nail that. I, I like that's the thing that stuck out to me is this slow motion is telling you how much Ellie means to Joel now. And what yeah, he, what links he would go to, you know, it it doesn't have to be John Wick to convey that. And in in my mind it's even better that it's not John Wick because John Wick you get caught up in the action, the coolness of it. In this you're caught up in the emotion of it because it's presenting it this way. Yeah, so like this is like season so Oh, man, I kind of agree with you because like I'm trying to think of like if you just take the music out of it, this scene looks a lot like uh, Kevin saving Jill in The Last of Us. In The Leftovers. I mean, in The Leftovers. In Leftovers. Yeah. In Season yeah. 1 of The Leftovers, right? It's like the slow-mo. It's the father with the sure. daughter cradling house. it. Yeah. There's He's br- busting out of the dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. But the music. Mac Rick- Max Richter is not making us feel like, <laughs> you know... Uh, uh, the, the, the dad in that circumstances is selling his soul or something. Whereas the music in The Last okay. of Us was doing everything in its power to convince us that this is a sad thing that's happening. Like I said, the, the music's oh, it's, it's almost it, hmm. the feeling was it, it very much like uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's weird because the music in this it, it, there's there's a haunting quality to it that gives you that sadness, but there's also a beauty to it. I. So the thing I love about huh. the music of The Last of Us is every theme that you're presented with is both beautiful and haunting. And I felt both of those things in this moment, right? I felt the father's love yeah. for his daughter and I felt okay. the the world ending decision that he's making here at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I keep coming back to that scene in The Rock where Ed Harris is murdering Michael Bain and you mm-hmm. kind of feel like there's that conflicting too because like Ed Harris's essential goodness and nobility is put on display in this scene where against his will as men are murdering these other guys uh-huh. who are, you know, I think Ed Harris thinks are good guys. Sure. Um, and the, the the thing is like, it's like, it sells that kind of tragedy thing too, but it's also using it to, as a narrative device to make you feel better about the villain. If you want to, because there's a lot of email, a lot of people took the thesis of Joel is, if you properly understand the villain, I'm sorry. Maybe next week we'll be all about that if you got a really good take on that. But I just can't. 
I can't pound my moral worldview into a shape that makes Joel out to be a villain. You know, like I have to 100 percent buy that the Firefly scientist is 100 percent right before I can get to there. And even then, it's it's tough for me. But um, yeah. Okay. Um, Dante says, I'll preface this by saying The Last of Us 1 is one of my favorite games of all time. I've replayed it so many times on an every system. PS3, PS4, now PS5. Got the hat trick. Uh, I think the show is evidence that for a story-driven narrative game like this, no show and or movie adaptation can beat it. This was an early thesis in the spore lore. Is like, can this show be better than the game if you're mm-hmm. a game first player? Games are so cinematic now, and they offer a level of immersion that the show and movie can't quite replicate. This felt like The Last of Us light for people who don't play games but just want to experience the story. The Last of Us for my mom or fiancé who don't play video games. I think the show is good, but not amazing. It's got great acting, although I was kind of meh on Bella as Ellie. Woof. Controversial opinion. Uh, Great set design and effects and cinematography. I'm very curious how season two will shake out. I wasn't the biggest fan of The Last of Us 2, though there were moments of brilliance. There are also moments of fuck this game, so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt part two. Yeah, I... Man... Uh, where is your temperature on you were a game first player and now you are an enjoyer of the show? Do you think the last of us one video game is better from your purely subjective opinion than the last of us series? Going to make me answer this. I'll say I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. I think, yes, I think if you played the game first, you probably, think this show is a little bit paler imitation of the video game. I'm not sure what you would make of being a show first watcher and then playing the video game. Maybe you'd think that the character moments are just so diluted in the wash of violence and gameplay mechanics that you can't, you know, cause you can go like, that's the thing I was like, you can go three, four hours of just shooting zombies and looting in between yeah. emotionally devastating gut punches um that's the thing that's killing me on this question is i remember being frustrated at times with this game because it's a very hard game as well it's not even on normal it's not like a walk in the park yeah you're you're gonna gonna die at zero deaths yeah Uh no you're gonna die and in some cases and when i did it i'll die over and over and over Mm -hmm. that that uh what is it horde mode essentially when you and david when you're playing ellie and david is in the the cabin or whatever it is with you yeah the the sawmill yeah uh i died dozens upon dozens of times in that encounter and it took me probably an hour just to get through that fucking part of the game yeah uh there's a similar really dark clicker sequence up front that was i found very hard yeah there's like six clickers in a dark uh department store or something that you have to get through with almost no ammo at least i did right right and that's the thing that disrupts the flow of that game uh, unnaturally because because I, I think the game would be better if it was slightly less hard on the lowest difficulty because normal is the lowest difficulty. You can't go lower than that. Oh, really? They haven't added yeah. an easy mode hmm. to my recollection, at least in the version I played. Yeah, I don't think you can go below normal. I played the remastered version. Okay. On PS4. Because I'm going to play it on normal mode, too. And I remember it being challenging, but not impossible. Um, uh-huh. But oh, there yeah, were definitely yeah. there were two or three points where I was really frustrated, you know. I mean, I made it through the game, but yeah, that was pretty frustrating. 
So that diminished my experience, frankly. Um, huh. The show doesn't have those moments where you get frustrated because you right. have to watch the same scene 15 to, to 30 times in a row, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I think they're different. I think they're different because I really appreciate about the show that you get more information about certain characters and the mm-hmm. directions they choose to take these stories are not the same. Uh, especially, I'm especially looking at Bill and Frank. I, I yeah, think the Bill and Frank story in the show is light years better. Yes. The, the Bill and Frank story in the game the reveal is interesting. I will give them mm-hmm. that. Like, I like how the information that they gave you was doled out. I don't think the information itself is very compelling whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, in the but show, when I played the yeah, game, I, I will say so that it's more. not like I got the end of Bill Town. I'm like, you know what? No, I could have used a really tragic and touching story about Bill and Frank for like an hour in there. You know, it's like you don't know what you're missing. Right, right, right. right. Um, but now that I have it, I do know, and I'm like, it could have been so much better in the game. Now and it's there not are like... action sequences that you can't do in the show and have them be as affecting either. So yeah, because like you're not playing the show, you're watching the show. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where like you don't know what you're missing, and there's also like the first time bias, and uh, and it's not like I think there's a yawning gap. You know, it's not like oh, if you've not heard Shakespeare and the original Klingon, you just can't even understand. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think you are you are like ninety percent of the way toward ninety five percent away on the game uh, mm-hmm. or on the TV show to experiencing everything you experience in the game and all the emotional p- points work as well except for maybe the last one because i do think there is something about getting caught up in just mowing these fuckers down and the just and the and the and the the justice of your cause that that final beat with ellie just really nails you maybe in a way that you couldn't appreciate in a 40 minute episode where you're just kind of like you know um yeah there is something about it being your pov and your actions and you being joel not watching joel but you being joel that makes it a little bit more affecting, I think. Yeah, whereas I found, like, with the David scenario, it was the opposite, right? Like, me being Ellie in that moment and, like, fighting this guy, it felt more like a boss encounter than it did an emotionally mm. affecting moment for the character. Mm-hmm. And it it lost a little bit of steam. And And to Bella's credit, like, I think her acting in here is what makes this scene work yeah. um, as effectively as it, as it does. So, like... yeah. And you'll see if you watch the playthrough of that, it's like there's a little bit of remove the POV where it's like when you're experiencing that, you're mostly looking at David and him doing things to you. And you're kind of like off Ellie's shoulder and experiencing these things where like in the Uh TV show, the fixation, the fixation is on Bella and and Ellie's face. And you get to see like I I, I, that's that's a little bit more connecting in that, like almost more than, than being Ellie is seeing Ellie in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you don't die 15 times in that scene. True. Which doesn't undercut the tension, which doesn't, uh, you know, right. uh, distract you from the plot. So, right. I don't know. I, I think they're very different things. Um, I enjoyed the sense of, of nervousness and tension that I get from being Joel and being Ellie in those situations, uh, but it's mm-hmm. different. So, I guess this is one of those agree to disagree. If you think the game is better... I understand why, but I also, yeah, yeah. for my money, I think the show has done it in some places much better, in other places maybe slightly better or slightly worse. But yeah. overall, I like, I think I like the show more. 
the other thing is interesting is I'd love to see this question in 20 years because I could entirely because I remember when Half-Life, the original came out. I'm like, Jesus Christ, games will never look more realistic than this. Like they, we've sure, done it. Sure. We've done it. And you go back and you look at those cla- like the classic Half-Life. It's dog shit. So it's boxy. dog shit. The, the, yeah. Oh, the models and the textures and everything. And as good as they are in The Last of Us, especially the remastered edition in The Last of Us 2, I do wonder 20 years from now, will we be like, God damn, there's some uncanny valley shit going on here where like Pedro and Bella are always going to look this awesome. Mm hmm. You know. Yeah, when when they can start doing uh, real time Luke Skywalker stuff that they did in Mandalorian season two, sure, sure, that will be when you can get to games standing the test of time graphically. But I, yeah, even the stuff they're doing on PS five is not going to stand the test of time. Yeah, it's it's tough because like I thought the same thing about the Lord of the Rings series. I thought those would always look amazing, and already there's like some sequences like the Cave Troll and Fellowship, where it's like I can tell this dude is a lump of CGI. Uh-huh. Where I would never thought that back in 1999. So I don't know. We'll see. Ask me again in nine weeks when I played the game through. Uh, Let's yeah. Let me throw that wrinkle on there. I watched yeah. these episodes twice. I've thought about them in detail. I've taken notes. I've made outlines. I've talked about them for hours. I didn't do any of that shit with the game. Maybe if I had while I was playing the game, I would appreciate the game True. even more. True. This format makes me appreciate the show significantly more i think than i would if i were just watching it on a weekly basis once and then going about my life so that's that's a wrinkle all right final non-spoiler edition rob from canada says i find myself very tempted to try to learn something anything about season two but i'm deeply terrified by the reality that a simple google search will infect my poor brain with all the spoilers about everything that happens uh you're right to fear that rob I love a tease, a hint, a mostly spoiler-free whistle-wetter of what's to come in Season 2 based on the game. Perhaps you could attach an umbilical cord to my brain for 10 seconds and pump an Ellie-sized dose of Season 2 teasers so I can satiate my craving without getting completely infected. (laughs) Suspect others are in this boat, too. Jim, do we give the clearly addicted person another hit of Mm -hmm. heroin, or Mm -hmm. should we say, hey, you need the methadone, kid? I mean, if I were Craig Mazin, I'd give him that hit because I want to keep him on the supply. All right. Uh, Let's both try it. I'm going to... All right, I can do one. Okay, okay. Uh, Jackson will be back. (laughs) Is that enough of a spoiler? Is that, like, not a spoiler because that's where they're headed at the end of this? But Jackson will be... I'm going to enjoy seeing the Jackson stuff. Can you conceive, Rob, right now, a scenario where you may hate Joel and Ellie? Mm. Because some people already hate Joel for his that's decision. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. But those are people that I, 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 I honestly can't, I, I can't fathom their, their worldview. It's not yeah. an invalid one. It's just I've had very different experiences and whatnot. I think The Last of Us 2 in is a, the moral kaleidoscope shifts around to see if they can get you there. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of hard questions. Uh, a lot of a lot of difficult leaps to make. Yeah. In the next season. Or maybe you like can can you get can you can your worldview encompass uh, a point of view where you could see Ellie and Joel as the villain, you know? Because uh, I think that's please, things that they explore in, in The Last of Us 2. So, yeah, uh, enjoy the next 18 months. 
That's it. We are now going to get to the super spoiler. There is no more spoiler section because we're done with The Last of Us 1 in its entirety. This is only for people who have not played or have, have played the, the second game. Uh, so if that's not you, you should probably check out now. Um, again, I will be playing this on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash baldmove. If you missed the live show, we will be within a day or two copying that over to our YouTube, youtube.com slash baldmove. Like, follow, subscribe us at those areas if you want to make sure you don't miss anything. Twitter is another great place to follow us, twitter.com slash baldmove. Uh, yeah, if you've gotten this far and uh, you've listened to all of our, our feedback sections and you think we're you know worth listening to, I would encourage you to check out uh, support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get even more great Bald Move content in your life. We do at least one bonus show for our club members each week, often two or three. It's been the case the last few weeks that you've gotten two or three, and you get ad-free feeds. Uh, how awesome is that? And if you're not ready to commit that far, but you want to kind of, you know, more actively follow what we're doing, I highly encourage you to subscribe to Bald Move Pulp and Bald Move Prestige because that's where all of our various podcasts get rolled up. So if you like uh, spaceships and Marvel movies and fantasy, high fantasy with elves, check out Bald Move Pulp. And if you like uh, things that are more character driven, like The Last of Us, um, uh, like the upcoming severance, like Yellow Jackets. That's a, the show mm-hmm. we're going to be getting into right now. I think a lot of people that like The Last of Us will like uh, Yellow Jackets, and there's a lot of ways to affordably add uh, Showtime to, like we, we're able to add it to our Paramount subscription for a buck. Yeah, buck a month. Buck a month uh, to it's get like Yellow Carlin's Jackets. running Paramount over there. <laughs> yeah. <on> Showtime. <laughs> Just for a buck a month, we want you to subscribe to, to Showtime. Uh, for Yellow Jackets, because it's uh, another show that has, a you know, some s- common sensibilities and, and themes. So I uh, hope your journey with Bald Move doesn't end here. But if not, uh, we will be here for you when you get back to season two. Um, but uh, now it's time to get to. Oh, and also one more feedback show next week. We'll have a wrap up. T-Lou, T-L-O-U at baldmove.com. All right. Super spore lore. Everybody that's not played The Last of Us 2, get the hell out. Vance. I couldn't help but notice that it appears that Joel kills literally everyone at the hospital without mercy, but there's one shadowy figure that seems to escape. They come around the corner when he's dealing with a person at the desk and they run away. If you watch, it looks like this person has a braid flapping as they run away. Could this be Abby? Hmm. Screen captures for reference below. Uh, I want to share this with you, Jim, so you can take a look at it. Okay. I see a shadowy figure. It's you see a shadowy figure. Really do you see my, do, do you see that right tell. coming off her shoulder? It's like a like a pigtail sure. swinging. Um, it this uh, okay. Let me stop uh, stop sharing now. I mean, this is literally uh, a, a shadowy figure in the foreground running away from Joel with a with maybe a ponytail. Maybe it could be some other kind of strap flapping around. It might be Abby. I got to say that I, I think she's way older and more adult looking than I would expect from hmm. an Abby of this era. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a it's an interesting connection of true. Yeah, we'll see. Melina from uh, Canada says there's been an understanding specu- understandable speculation about how the Abby story will be received in season two or three by show only watcher. My humble guess is that the medium makes a huge difference and will be much more positively received by show only people. I think 
Much of the impact of the games comes from playing around with the role-playing, the idea of the player's complicity in the character's actions. I mean, we just talked about that. Embodying Ellie for what that many hours and then suddenly being forced to walk in Abby's shoes is impactful in a different way than a TV show following different characters. After the switch, you are now forced as Abby to antagonize your favorite, Ellie, who is shocking and uncomfortable. Uh, which is shocking and uncomfortable. But you inevitably start to sympathize with Abby through the same role-play mechanism and this recast how you feel about your role in Ellie's actions in the first half. And of course, Joel's. I respect Druckmann for making a bold choice like this, but I frankly don't know how much I actually enjoyed playing it. It's rough. It's rough, that mid part Mm. of The Last of Us 2. For a TV show, you, of course, may powerfully empathize and identify with characters, but you do not inhabit that one person's perspective in the same all-encompassing way. You also spend a lot more time playing a game than watching a show, so you may be more attached to the character. I think stripped of these game elements, what you have in Abby's story is actually a pretty straightforward redemption arc. will make for good TV, but it's nothing earth-shattering, particularly to an HBO audience who will compare it to Game of Thrones. Abby also has the benefit uh, that her her perspective is absolutely valid. I think even the most diehard Joel fan would uh, admit to some ambivalence about his choices and would have to allow Abby her pain, if not agree with her actions. I could see uh, fans hotly being divided between Abby and Ellie in a blacks versus green sort of way, but I don't think it's enough that people will start actively hating the show over it. Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe the game has already scared off the people who are primed to hate the show for what it's about to do. That might be ultimately a good thing. Um, I, I think there's a difference here. And the difference is you're going to, you're going to lose Ellie for a long time. It's not like we're going to be cutting back and forth and I'm going to see, you know, uh, Rob out here in the fields uh, on the run after the red wedding and then I'm gonna see like I don't know the hound doing his shit in King's Landing and that's gonna and maybe I'll lose Rob for an episode or two mm-hmm. this is gonna have to be like an entire season of losing Ellie for the most part mm-hmm. until we get to like episode 8 or something right mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be a lot and, and yeah. I and and I saw this done very poorly recently with The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. These were two shows uh. that, like, I, I personally had a very negative reaction to The Book of Boba Fett's turning into The Mandalorian Season 2.5 for three right episodes and it, yeah. losing Boba Fett entirely. Mm-hmm. And that was just for a couple of episodes and in a show that I wasn't, like, that into in the first place because most sure. of it kind of sucked anyway. Boy, if I'm really digging what's happening with Ellie, and then I have to sit through eight, up to eight episodes of Abby, I I think people are going to react very strongly to it. Because it wasn't just me, right? Like that didn't like the Mando show, like the Boba Fett show turning into the Mando show. No, it was wildly painted. And then the yeah. Luke Skywalker show and the Grogu show for for that amount of time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it is one thing to have to play as that character. It's, an, it's maybe a slightly less offensive thing to TV watchers to have to watch those characters, but the way they're going to do it, I think, is yeah. just going to be... It's going to be a lot. Yeah. 
Well, I'm trying to think of like the Game of Thrones because I think you've nailed it. Like, you know, oh, we turned our opinion completely around on like uh, Jamie Lannister and even to uh, uh, mm-hmm. who was the, the Theon Greyjoy and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, if season one of Game of Thrones was just essentially Ned and Arya and he's protecting his little girl through King's Landing and he's teaching her how to fight and how to survive. And, you know, they're very because I think that's a good comparison. Ned and and Arya are pretty charming. We like them. And then at the end of season or and they begin and then they they fight and they do all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then at the beginning of season two, Jamie Lannister comes out of nowhere and viciously murders Ned in front of Arya and then Mm -hmm. leaves. And then the entire second season, we're stuck in Jamie Lannister's perspective, and we never get like mm-hmm. that. Would be f- I don't know, man. I, I I don't know the game. I don't know that there's something that's that there's a show that's tried to pull this brazen a bait and switch of the hero and villain on you, and then expect you to actually instantly empathize. You know, like, but it's yeah. I don't know. I mean, may, maybe I'm wrong, but like I I just can't quite think of anything that's that i certainly hadn't seen one i know what i felt going through the game i don't know that it'll be as strong on the show but it's going to be pretty strong it's going to be pretty strong yeah i i think so i think so we'll see yeah especially since it's not even that it's like okay Jamie Lancer shows up in the beginning of season two of Game of Thrones, kills ned in front of Arya, and then we spend all of season two Arya trying to track down Jamie lannister and in season mm-hmm. three is at, at in a climax. It ends in season two, and then season three begins. It's just Jamie Lannister, you know, doing go, going about life for like the first half of the season. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah, I mean, people maybe. didn't like and for for various reasons. Some of them ridiculous, but like people didn't yeah. really like spending a whole episode with Bill and Frank. In an episode where we didn't spend the whole episode with Bill and Frank, we spent about three quarters of an episode with them. Very vociferous reaction to that. So, good luck spending this much time with not just somebody that we don't yet care about, but somebody who we actively despise. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah, guys, we have no... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, one final email. Tyler P says, hey, guys, we'll listen to the instant take. Aaron is stating how the Fireflies were insane for immediately cutting into Ellie and killing her. While I agree completely, I can see why the Fireflies made this decision. It's the exact reason they never asked Ellie for, Ellie for her consent for her sacrifice herself for the good of all mankind. The Fireflies are not willing to risk take the risk of Ellie saying no. But at the very end of part two, we do find out what Ellie would have chosen. That night before Joel is killed, Ellie finally confronts him saying, I was supposed to die in that fucking hospital, but you took that from me. Marlene ended up being right, but I don't think she knew 100% that Ellie was willing to give her life and did the immoral thing where she was not willing to give Ellie the choice in case she said no. (sighs) It's tricky because even Ellie as like what in this she's like a 20 year old. I keep going back when you said that, like, I was supposed to fucking die in a hospital. I think about Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump, where he sure, sure. crawls himself off the gurney, crawls over to Forrest, and in the middle of the night grabs him and says, I was supposed to die in that battlefield. That was my destiny. You robbed it from me. Was it really? Or was his destiny to get new legs, space shuttle legs, and marry some beautiful Vietnam- Vietnamese woman, you know, and have a family and live a normal life? Um, Turns out your destiny is what actually happens. <laughs> That's yeah, and like what and the where universe has given you. Where you're at in a moment of trauma in a bad spot, 
and what you wished you didn't isn't necessarily where you'll be 10 years from now. So it's like, it's tough. Like, even if you, like, if Ellie wanting to die in this moment, even if the Fireflies did fully get her, like, what does that even mean in this moment where she's just gone through the David experience, where she's just gone through the Riley experience, where she's 14 years old and she's at the beginning of a life that's just been filled with pain, disappointment, misery. Like, is that an authentic choice? I, I don't know. It's, but these are, again, these like, like, it's not just one moral question the show is asking you. It's asking you a whole bunch yeah. of Russian nesting dolls of moral questions. Yep. Which is so, what makes it a complex and rich story in a yeah. video game world that doesn't often do this type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I hope we've captured that for you throughout the season. And in this feedback, again, there's one more bite. If you feel like there's a, a take that you haven't heard represented, uh, represented or another look at the old moral kaleidoscope that we haven't twisted and turned on. Make sure you send that in to T-L-O-U at baldmove.com probably before Tuesday morning if you want to be safe because uh, we're about to steal off into the night uh, and not talk about this until The Last of Us 2. But also don't forget I'm doing the video game playthrough Sunday nights for the next eight to nine weeks at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll be playing through the game with my buddy Jim here in chronological order, keeping roughly to the outline of the episodes. We're going to try to get through an episode each night uh twitch.tv slash bald move and if you want to see the replays you can either head that and check out the bot archive or uh it's on youtube.com slash bald move or will be uh until then we'll see you next week for the recap and i hope to see you on sunday night uh but yeah until then i'm aaron and i'm jim later